they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you. Really warm welcome. I want to say a big hi to, to everybody in Kingsgate, Cambridge, and to all of you watching uh, at home as well. I want to start by sharing one of my favourite family memories. It was of my sister Sarah's wedding to Samuel Yeboah. Uh, what a great photo that is. <laughs> um, as per uh, the tradition, British tradition, uh, the wedding was held at the, the bride's home, so uh, the service was in the very kind of formal Anglican setting of St Albans Abbey. And then afterwards, we went to a, a hotel where we had afternoon tea together. And um, then we went and had a reception in a community hall. You know, there were the speeches, there was the meal. Then we did some sort of polite kind of fairly energetic barn dancing. And then almost without prompting, um, members of Samuel's family, some who are over from Ghana, others living um, in the UK, they got up to dance. And it was like then the party really began. <laughs> it's like they just showed us how to party. And they included us as well. It was just an, a wonderful occasion. As I look back, more broadly than just the actual ceremony and the setting itself, I thought there was something wonderful and beautiful and powerful about, if you like, the joining of a man and woman, very different, but also the joining of two families from different nations and different cultures. It was a thing of great beauty, a thing of great power. And as far as Karen and I are concerned, having observed them over the years, they're a wonderful example of a couple living out God's call on their lives. And best of all, in our opinion, is the fruit of their union, three of the most beautiful, smart, funny, loving girls that you'll ever, ever see. And if you're watching online, girls, um, so uh, hope you're really well. You know, there's something that is very poignant about their example. On the one hand, like any family, they've had to work at their relationships. How many realise that when we're in family, we are made up of imperfect people and we have to really work at it? Anyone else? Yeah, we do, don't we? They've had to work at their relationships, but also they've had the added challenge, as I'm sure you can imagine, of being a mixed-race family in a world that is still so marked and characterised by so much racism, such an evil, and so much prejudice as well. So they've had their challenges but in the midst of it all, they shine wonderfully for Jesus. That's a great picture of a human family. But today I want to talk about our Kingsgate 
family. Wonderful, wonderful family. Focusing on, you know, thousands of people across different locations, different cities. Uh, even people joining us from different nations. We've got people of all kinds of different um, backgrounds and personality and gifting. Um, we've got, of course, many people from different nationalities. Um, I counted about 15 years ago over 60 nations. I'm sure there's many more right now. Why don't we just thank God for what he's done over the years? Absolutely wonderful. And then, of course, we've got different generations. We've got babies, loads of them, increasing numbers of them. We've got lots of young children. We've got people from um, Gen Z. We've got loads of millennials. We've got um, people from... Uh, Gen X, we've got baby boomers all milling together in the same family. What I love is that in the midst of this incredible diversity has also been over 32 years, when you look back, an amazing sense of unity. But like Sarah and Samuel and their girls have had to work at their relationships, so we mustn't be complacent. How many know that unity takes working at? Why? Because we aren't naturally human. We can be selfish. And we've also got our own human tendency, if we're not careful, to sort of segregate and separate and just, as it were, connect with people who are like us. So that's like, if you like, an internal challenge. But then there's an external pressure. I think one of the things that has almost got worse over the last year, it seems is that there's an increasing uh, division in society. Almost like it feels like, sadly, um, a year on, that the, there's, there's greater sense of polarity and division racially. There's greater, um, as it were, argument and aggro between generations and you know, increasing, as it were, strife uh, between men and women on a kind of global scale. And all of that, of course, is amplified in the echo world of social media. Can I just say, let's not pile into the division that's on social media. If we're going to use it, let's use it for good and for building people up, not for tearing people down. Amen. <clears throat> and so into this environment, as it were, with our own internal challenges, just because we're people <laughs> trying to be united in a, in, a, in a diverse community, but also in the world that we live in. I want to look today at a theme of how we can experience a revival of unity, a revival of unity. And again, back to the theme of this series, it's not to go back to, as it were, some kind of unity we experienced 15 months ago before the pandemic. No, we want to go back again. Guess where we're going to go to? What portion of scripture? We're going to go back to the book of Acts. We're going to look back at, the, as it were, the, the immediate church that was born on the day of Pentecost. And there we see they experienced an extraordinary <clears throat> unity. They experienced, listen to this, it says, all the believers were together. Can we say that word, together? They were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together. Earlier on, uh, Chris unpacked beautifully a couple of weeks ago how they were devoted to fellowship, this sense that they were devoted to one another. In other words, they experienced an extraordinary unity. And that word together there actually means the same. It has the idea of oneness or a unity. 
They were very different, but somehow they were the same. They were one. They were united. And then in Acts 4.32, uh, we, we read, it, it sort of unpacks it more fully. They were of one heart and mind. So, how many like to see a revival of unity? Greater unity than we've ever seen before in our whole history. Stronger, deeper, closer, more inclusive. That's what we're going for. Not just an absence of conflict, but a greater sense of synergy and closeness and working together where every part of the body is functioning as God intended um, her to function. And what better day to celebrate that than on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was outpoured. Now, if we're going to see a revival of unity, we need basically to see a miracle. And we need two parties to work together. Firstly, as we press on, we can be assured, firstly that Jesus himself is totally committed to our unity. It's actually very high. Right near the top of Jesus' priority list is our unity. And so as I share stuff that you may have heard of on one level, I want you to be asking the Lord, Lord, just as I read the scriptures here, ask the Lord to open your eyes again to just how much this is of absolute priority to Jesus. And just for a bit of fun, as I go through the message, see if you can work out what God's favourite number is, okay? So three things, I, I, there's so much I could say, and we can do a whole series on this, but just, just for the sake of time, three things I want to pick out, three things that Jesus is doing to demonstrate his total commitment for our unity. Number one, Jesus is praying for our unity. Jesus is praying for our unity, Listen to this stunning prayer of Jesus to the Father, John 17. I pray that all of them will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. As I've been meditating on that verse in the last few weeks, I almost thought, I can't move on from that. I could spend the next several hours just unpacking that simple prayer of Jesus. Would you agree that is stunningly powerful? Let me just hit the headlines for you. This is Jesus himself talking about the unity that he, as the Son of God, has eternally with the Father God and by implication with the Holy Spirit as well. And he's praying that somehow in this, if you like, this spiritual mystical unity that we enjoy in Christ and by the Spirit, somehow we are now, not, we are included in the unity of the triune God. And Jesus is praying is, would you agree that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are pretty united together? But he's praying that we, <laughs> fallen, sinful, but now redeemed and spirit-filled be- beings, somehow are getting caught up into the unity of the Trinity itself and that we might be brought to complete unity. Wow! Isn't that amazing? What an incredible prayer. And what's the result? As we live this way, the result is the world will look on, not at our divisions, not at our disunity, but our incredible unity and love for one another and say, wow, 
That is a sign and a wonder of God's love for us and therefore his love for them. In other words, our unity is an incredible tool for our mission. So that's the first thing. Jesus is praying for our unity. But secondly, he didn't just pray for it. He actually went to the cross and he paid for it. So secondly, Jesus paid for our unity. You see, if you think of the cross, physically, it's got an axis that is, vert- axis that is vertical. Would you agree that Jesus came, shed his blood on the cross, that you and I might be reconciled to our Father God, the barrier of sin removed, yeah? We can have a relationship with God, but it's also got a horizontal axis. Can I say, Jesus came to the cross, not just as it were to provide vertical reconciliation, but horizontal reconciliation. He shed his lifeblood. He died in agony that we as God's people might be one. Can you see his commitment? This is a wow moment. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul addresses this and really kind of homes in on the key issue in the New Testament church, which was the the division between Jew and Gentile, uh, Jew and non-Jew. And he makes this stunning statement that through the cross, Jesus came to break dividing walls and to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. And as I think about it, I think I'm so glad that Jesus didn't just come to break, as it were, the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. He came to break every single dividing wall that we might be one as he and the Father are one. He paid for it with his blood. He's praying for it. He paid for it. And thirdly, and very befittingly, I believe on the Pentecost Sunday, we can celebrate the fact that Jesus has provided for our unity. How? He ascended on high. He received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And as we looked out a few weeks ago, we see on the day of Pentecost, there were people from all kinds of different nations around the known world. The Spirit came, as it were, brought like a, a, a multi-ethnic community together. Diversity, but incredible unity filled with the same Holy Spirit. And then Peter gets up, he preaches on the day of Pentecost, and he quotes from the book of Joel. And let, let me just read you these amazing words. Acts chapter 2, 17 to 80 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on who? On all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your, young, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. I love it. A unity of men and women. A unity of young and old. As Ellie Mumford so beautifully put it a few weeks ago, the spirit is the great equalizer. Can I say right now, you are one with every other Christian on planet earth. This is not just, by the way, I'm preaching to Kingsgate today, but this is about the whole unity of the whole body of Christ right across the nations. We may have different names and colors and and, and, and denominational badges or whatever, but I just want to celebrate now, and I'm passionate about it, by the way. Can I just celebrate with you just for one moment? There is an amazing move of unity in the UK. has been going on for the last few decades. There's an incredible unity at leadership level. I have the privilege of being involved in a lot of forums. Right now, God is doing something across this country in uniting people of different streams and different denominations, and we have a, a privilege to play our part in that. And of course, all of this, the outpouring of the one spirit. Why should we be united? Because we've all got the same Holy Spirit on the inside of us. 
We may be different, we may look different, we may sound different, we may think differently, but we all have one Holy Spirit. There's not 15 different Holy Spirits, one Holy Spirit. And all of this, of course, is preparing us for eternity when together before the throne of God, we'll see every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So in the light of all this, let's pause and take stock. If Jesus Christ prayed for, paid for, and has provided for our unity, what's our response? Number two, we must be totally committed to living in unity. How many want to say, I want to play my part just like Jesus playing his part? That's what I want to say. And I'm encouraging all of us at Kingsgate, let's make a fresh commitment to the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's what they were doing in the early chapters of Acts. Because they're human, (laughs) they had their frailties like us. I haven't got time to go into it, but if you track through the book of Acts, they had to contend for unity. Acts chapter 6, one example. Other kind of examples when they, as it were, to fight for guarding the unity. All the way through to when Paul uh, writes to the church in Ephesus in um, Ephesians 4 verse 3. Listen to this. This is an exhortation to us. If you you forget every other verse that I'm going to read today... Just just get this one. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice there we have a unity, but we have to make every effort. It's a determination to keep the unity of the Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we not only avoid division, but move closer together in our unity? Well, for those of you around in our well-being series, you remember there's a guy called Paul McGee, who's like a kind of relational coach. And he used um, an illustration of the beach ball. Anyone else remember the beach ball? Well, so the point is, and it's a powerful one, you and I are looking at the same beach ball. But right now, you are looking at colours that should be blue white and yellow, yeah? I'm looking at the same beach ball, but all I can see right now is red, green, and orange. Now, the problem comes, and it can come in any relationship. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen in a group setting. It can happen in a teen setting. It can happen on the micro level. It can happen on big macro issues. Is we can tend to spend our whole time arguing, as it were, different perspectives on the same issue. But if we are going to avoid division and grow closer in unity, we just need to do something very simple. We just need to turn it around. And now, I got it right. <laughs> you now seeing what I saw, right? And I'm seeing what you what you see. In other words, we can look at the same situation, but from each other's perspective. That doesn't mean necessarily that I've got it right, you've got it wrong, you've got it right, I've got it wrong. Sometimes we just look at a different perspective. And what we need to do is we just need to turn it around. And then guess what happens? We are both what? Seeing the same perspective. I think that is powerful. I think that could be a key to helping us in our marriages, in our groups, in our teams, in any kind of thing. Don't just get locked into one perspective 
ask the person what's their perspective. In order to do that, what do we need? What do we need? We need a certain attitude that Paul highlights in verse 2 of uh, chapter 4. Listen to this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I'm sure you'd agree, if all of us lived that way, it would sort all kinds of relational difficulties in all kinds of different settings. So with that in mind, I've just got three practical things that I want to share that will hopefully help us make our total commitment to living in greater unity. Number one, we need to listen to each other's stories. Listen to each other's stories. See, if we're going to grow in unity but we don't know each other, or we only know each other at a surface level, or if we only know a certain type of people, we never mix with this type of people, guess what? We're not going to be able to respond to the prayer of Jesus and experience unity that's deeper and wider. So we're going to listen to each other's stories. In other words, we need greater proximity. How have you experienced a time, I've experienced it many times, when you know, I'm just going through some stuff, and I share where I'm at, either with a small team or a small group or somebody I trust who's trying to help me. And sometimes just even getting it off my chest and they listen to me in a way that's empathetic, non-judgmental, I just feel lighter. Anyone else ever experienced that? There's something very healing and powerful about as in being able to share where we're really at in a safe space. And that, of course, can apply with people we know. But also, can I suggest that as well as doing that in our existing relationships, if we want our unity in this season not just to go deeper but wider, we actually need to start sharing and one another's stories and listening to one another in a non-judgmental, empathetic way with people who we don't normally relate to or maybe with people who are not like us. And as we do, something wonderful can happen. Um, you heard earlier on about the inclusion training that we're, we're beginning to, to, to work through. Well, one of the white members who's on that training um, has sort of paired up with one of his um, f- uh, black friends. And as they've been sharing together, and particularly the black friend has been able to open up at a deeper level about some of his own experience of pain, of racism he's experienced over many, many decades, two things have started to happen. One is the white member, who already was pretty clued up, found that he was able to understand the issue and empathise at a deeper level. But secondly, this this is the feedback we had from the black member, he found that as he started sharing and started being heard and accepted by a brother in Christ, his report was, my healing process has begun. Hallelujah. Something happens when we open up our hearts and we share together. We can do that in, in all kinds of different contexts. So think about this. How can you listen to each other's stories in a, in a different way? Secondly, second practical key is celebrate each other's strengths. You see, part of the wonder of diversity is we're all different. How many get annoyed by people being different to you? Sometimes. How many know it's good that we're all different, isn't it? Because our diversity is actually a key to our strength. I'm so glad that I'm surrounded by people who are different to me. I am married to somebody who is very different to me. Those of you who know us well. Um, 
Now, in the early years of our marriage, our differences had the effect of annoying each other on quite a regular basis. But as we've matured and grown, we've come to actually laugh with each other at our differences. Sometimes we're in a conversation, we can almost predict the way we're going to view a particular situation, just because, how many know when you've been married for, how long have we been married? (laughs) 35 years. See, that's the difference right there. Detail and, anyway. Realise that actually, rather than seeing our our weaknesses and our strengths as things for conflict, the the phrase we've come to adopt is we, we cover a wide bandwidth. So if any of you know Karen well or know me quite well, Karen covers a bandwidth of here. And I cover a bandwidth here. So our thing is we have a wide sphere of opportunity to do life well together and bless people because we are so, so different. And the only way we've, the way we come to that is we celebrate each other's strengths most of the time. <clears throat> but we have to work on it. Same in team context. I love being in team with people who are different to me. It'd be so boring if everyone's like me. <laughs> And I know I've got loads of weaknesses. and I, I need people who've got other kind of skills. You know, my, my view of technology is I just want it to work. I've got people around me who know how it works and they can fix problems when I have it. As I had recently, uh, just only this, this week, I said, Pete, problem with my, um, with my power supply. Guess what? I hadn't just plugged it in properly. <laughs> I'm so glad for people who cover my bags in those ways. But I'm also really thrilled that I've got people who, who I work with and we've worked, Karen and I love working with many people who are quite a bit older than us. And we celebrate people, um, you know, some of our grand adults who are amazing. Come on, let's thank God for all the incredible grand adults in our midst. We love it. And in me- recent years, working more and more with lots of young people who are, seem increasingly young compared to me. But I absolutely love it. And so I spent me, me, many of my um, team moments working primarily with young millennials. Now, I don't think this is their attitude towards me. Oh, that oldie. Huh. What does he know? No, no, there's an honouring. And I'm not thinking, oh, those young whippersnappers, what do they know? No, we honour one another. We love one another. We complement one another because we are in an intergenerational community and together we can make a great difference in reaching people, young and old. So let's keep celebrating our diversity. So listen to each other's stories, celebrate our um, our, um, strengths. And thirdly, and we've all got to do this, bear with each other's shortcomings. Can I say, if you kind of get up every morning and you're shocked when somebody lets you down, can I, say, can I disabuse you? Don't get shocked. It's going to happen. We're living in a fallen world. We're all human. Even Christians are not yet fully perfected. We are all different. Yeah, I heard somebody, it was actually Paul McGee, said something on the lines of conflict is inevitable, but fighting isn't. Get that? We can disagree. We'll see things a different way. But if we are operating in a humility that Paul calls us to, a gentleness, and particularly if we are patient, forbearing with each other in love, then we can begin to honour the prayer of Jesus. 
We can go deeper in our unity. So you may say, I've got a major problem. I'm not talking about whether they've got a major problem. I'm talking about let's press in for greater unity than we've ever seen before. And so we have to bear with each other's shortcomings. Patience, forbearance, love. And can I say, say sometimes through forgiving people when they let us down and when they hurt us. Now, why is this so important? Because if you go through the whole sweep of Scripture, you look all the way through the Old Testament, God loves unity. Psalm 133 say, where God's people dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. I don't know about you, I want a greater command, commanded blessing over my life, over your life, over us as a church family, over us as a church in the nation. We want, don't we, the blessing of God to come upon us. One of the preconditions for an increase of God's blessing is unity. And as we repent a division, as we come closer together, I believe we attract the Holy Spirit and will experience a greater sense of his presence. Um, in summary, <laughs> and here it is. Did you pick up God's favorite number, by the way? One. And we will begin to live in the good of what Paul celebrates in the rest of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And everybody said, Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his amazing, amazing, amazing goodness to us. So with all that in mind, I want now to lead us in responding together as we take communion. You know, communion is the great family meal. It's an opportunity where we express our oneness together. And I want to welcome Samson as he comes. Uh, we've already mentioned him today. Samson is not just a great prayer man. He's a man of great integrity and character. Come, Samson. So appreciate our connection and your support. So we're going to take communion together. Samson's going to share uh, and lead us with the, the cup, and he's going to pray on this day of Pentecost. But I want to start with the bread. You might just like to prepare where you're at home. You see, as we take communion, let me remind you of the high price that Jesus paid that we might be one. He went to the cross. His body was broken that we might be one body in Christ. And so unity and communion, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing and it's an awesome thing. And so before we take communion, I want us to give, an uh, give you an opportunity where we're at to repent where in any way, either through actively sowing discord or just being passive and not pursuing unity, we've in any way been working against the oneness that Jesus paid for, prayed for, and has provided for. So right now, whether you're watching online, whether you're in Cambridge, whether you're here with us today, I just want to give an opportunity just to repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. I trust that even just as I've been reading these scriptures and unpacking this, the Holy Spirit has highlighted some areas 
Maybe it's in a relationship really close. Maybe it is in your marriage or your family. A part of my heart burden as I was preparing about this, you know, this last year has been a challenge to families. And my prayer is that this, this message will spill over and bring greater unity in marriages and families and in friendship circles and in life groups and in teams and in congregations. So let's just repent where we've allowed anything in our hearts to take root. Maybe you just need to repent, Lord, I realise I've not been active in pursuing unity. Say, Lord, I want to commit before I take communion to playing my part. I want to respond to your total commitment to our unity by committing to it and playing my part. And as well as asking the Lord to forgive you, and we, we're going to know that the power of the blood cleanses us. Maybe just an opportunity for you to forgive anybody else. We live in a fallen world. We all get let down. We can get hurt. Some of you may be deeply and long-standing hurt. And I'm not minimizing that, by the way. I'm not just saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. Jesus paid the price that you might experience healing and freedom. So even now, why don't you just, even if it's a first tentative step, just offer that person or that offense to the Lord and say, Lord, here it is, Lord, I offer, I, I've been hurt. I, I make a choice, so help me God to forgive. I release this person. I open up my life that I might begin to experience healing and reconciliation in my own heart, in Jesus' name. And now let's take the bread Father, we thank you that we are one body in Christ. Right now we commit to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I will allow you to take that. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. And the Bible says, Jesus on the day, took the cup and blessed the cup and said, this is the blood of the New Testament. Receive that is poured out for you. And as we come together today, Lord, we bless our cup and we receive by faith this blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. Can I ask you to drink by faith in Jesus' name? I want us to come with great expectation before the Lord today as withdraw from him. Can I ask you to stand if you can and wherever you are watching to connect with great expectation in your heart as we look up to him for a great visitation today, this Pentecost Sunday. 
Lord, we thank you for the precious gift of your spirit. And this morning we stand together and we ask, come, Holy Spirit. Come, fill us afresh. Come, revive us again. Come, bring fullness in our heart. Come, let there be healing from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. Yes, Lord. Come, empower us, strengthen us, energize us to do and act on the charge we've been charged today, to bear with one another. Take us to a new level of unity. Take us deeper so that we can have deeper and greater love for one another. Lord, come in the mighty name of Jesus. This morning, we also pray for as many that are trusting you for the gift of the Spirit. The Bible says this gift is for us and for our children. This morning, we stand together and we pray for a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit. For as many that have not received the gift before today, today is your day. Receive the power from on high in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we stand together and we pray that you will pour out your Spirit upon us as a nation. You will pour out your Spirit upon our city that you will pour out your spirit upon our neighborhoods. That there will be a breakout of your new move in the mighty name of Jesus. That we will experience greater move of your spirit. That you will move in our midst. That you will do greater things by the power of your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray that the outpouring of your spirit will bring many to the saving knowledge of your son Jesus. And many shall be turned to the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Come on. Thank you, Lord. And now let's respond in our final song of worship. Let's declare the atmosphere over our lives is changing as we walk together in unity. So the blessing of God and the power of the Spirit is going to increase in our homes. I declare it in Jesus' name. Over our church and into our communities and all God's people said aloud, Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.